of grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, for us, especially within the Missouri Synod, we always have a great desire to be able to share with people that we are saved by God's grace and not by our works. And certainly that is the truth. It is not a matter of myself raising myself up by my own bootstraps. It's not a matter of my intellect becoming so far developed that I can finally choose Jesus. It's not simply that I form some new habits and now I'm in church on Sunday, but rather it is in fact that God loves us so much. He loves everyone so much. He desires for everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of Him. He's always standing at the door of our hearts and He's knocking. Will we let him in? Jesus is the one who acts first. Right? Jesus is like the, the young man that asks the young lady out on a date, right? He's the one that does the asking first. He initiates the process. And so we always want to be very careful that I, I'm never talking about how I discovered Jesus or I came to Jesus or I sought out Jesus that, that he might save me. But rather, we always want people to know Jesus is the one seeking he is the one that desires to find the, the lost coin. Right? You kind of remember that parable? He's the one that desires to find the lost sheep. He is the one that, that leaves the, the others behind to go and search especially for you, for your loved ones, for the people that you care about. And yet, that sometimes we might come to the conclusion and say, well, if God does it all, I don't really have to ever do anything, right? And maybe for some of your friends and loved ones, you, you've actually heard that. Oh, if God does it all, I, I don't have to do anything. And yet once again in our text for today, we actually heard the Apostle Peter, right, someone that we should have great respect for, he says, in fact, God gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey God. You see, there is a part for us as well, a response that we would make to the love our Lord and Savior has shown to us. And that response is that we would follow His commands, you see. 
I really, that's where a lot of denominations today, they're just kind of going off the rails. Because yes, in their quest for the, the purity of the teaching that God does it all, they're kind of throwing out the fact that you and I should have some kind of loving response to the God who saved us. The God who continues to seek us out. The God who loves us so very much. Otherwise, the relationship is really just one-sided, isn't it? Now, really, in our minds, you know, what do we, we think when we see these kinds of one-sided relationships you know, within our culture? Do, do we not instinctively feel sorry for the one party? You know, there, there is that, that person, oh, they're, they're so loving and they're so kind and they're so understanding of their spouse and their spouse could care less. And who do you naturally feel for? You, you kind of feel sorry for the unloved person, don't you? You kind of feel like it's kind of tragic in a way, don't you? And... Is that really what we think our God is like? That he's just kind of like that, that tragic lover who's willing to take any slight, any you know, discontentment. He's just kind of willing to you know, just kind of stand there and stoically take people's unloving responses? No, that, that's not what we really idealize, do we? In fact, you know, in, in our Christian culture, we talk about tough love, right? The tough love is going to make a hard decision in order to even protect the loved one from them Sounds, isn't it? See, that's really the concept behind our Christian theology is that God loves us so much He will even act to protect us from ourselves. He won't just let us get away with being selfish, will He? Right? He won't just allow us to drift off into sin and say nothing about it. He won't be the victim, so to speak. But rather, our God is powerful. And our God is loving. And our God is always going to reach into our lives to bring the correction that is needed. See, that's how much God loves. But again, in our society, as we look around, yeah, we've seen some relationships where, you know, that, that, that person is, is maybe too fearful um, to even speak a word to that other one because, you know, they might leave me, right? 
Now, wait, if we had an argument, they might just walk out the door. Oh, oh my, I, I can't have that. And so, you know, I have to, you know, just kind of go with the flow. Again, what do we really think about those kinds of relationships? We see that, don't we, as a weakness, right? And is that what our God is really like? Does he just say, oh, I, I need believers and oh, my power is kind of failing because people have stopped praying to me and oh, I'm feeling weak today and I, I got to keep these people around and so maybe I should bend some of my rules a little bit. Maybe I ought to make some changes here in my holy word because I, I got to keep people coming to me so I can be strong uh, again. Uh, is, is that what we think? But no, really we understand God is God independent of what people believe, what they think. If there was only one single believer in the whole world, God would still be just as powerful. He would still be just as strong. He would still be just as loving. He would still be desiring for people to be saved. He would not be diminished in the least. If people turn from him, he's still God. He's still powerful. See, that's the God that we serve. And so again, Peter comes to us today and he says, if you obey God, you will be given the Holy Spirit. The Bible also says that the effectual, fervent prayers of the righteous person availeth much. Right? As we begin to unpack that, that sentence, you know, what, what are we talking about? We're saying, you know, that the, the person is praying, right? The person is praying fervently. The person is praying effectively. And why are they able to pray effectively? It is because they are righteous, you see. Because they are obeying God. And so what does it take for our prayers to be effective? It takes our obedience. That we love God so very much we're following his commands. And the more accurately we follow His commands, the more our prayers can be heard. The more obedient that we are, right, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. You see, yes, there, there is a little bit of a performance factor, isn't it? Now, it doesn't have to do it with our salvation, Although certainly, if a person is consistently making decisions to disobey God, eventually they're going to be lost, aren't they? Because again, in that relationship, right, if I know the things that make my wife upset, and I intentionally do them anyway... Now, how long is that relationship going to last, really? 
Okay? And again, that idea of a relationship with God that you know fits our theology so well. I can read in the Holy Word of God what pleases Him and what displeases Him. And if I'm consistently making choices to do the things <coughs> I know are wrong in God's eyes, how am I going to get closer? How is my relationship going to grow? In fact, am I not really saying, God, I could care less what you think. God, you say, come to church on Sunday morning, I could care less. I'm not going to go. God, you said I'm not supposed to steal, but I could care less. The government owes me extra money. I've been paying taxes my whole life. I can write a few more things off on my income tax this year. I could care <coughs> less. Care less. Pastor, you don't really know what my mom and dad were like. Want me to honor them? I could care less. See, that's what we're really saying. Any of the commandments of the Lord that we decide that we are capable of breaking, we are really saying, I could care less. And so it goes, doesn't it? But what we want is that kind of relationship that the Apostle Peter is talking about today. I want to get so close to the Lord that I do have the Holy Spirit. I want to be so close with God that my prayers are effective. I want to be able to just be so close to Him as the, the Christian song states that it will be no big change. On the day when Jesus calls my name. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm getting kind of old now, and so this song is probably, you know, 25, 30 years ago, but maybe you remember some of the words in it, right? I want to get so close to Him that it's no big change on that day when Jesus calls my name. That's where we want to be, isn't it? No, I was, was watching the, the testimony of a, a, a young man. Well, he's not so young anymore. He's, well, he's, wow, he might even be 50 years old now. He was talking about how when he was in high school, he came to know the Lord. And in his testimony, he was talking about how he had so many friends in his high school and how, you know, for high school, he had so many people that he was close to. And he enjoyed, you know, those relationships so very much. But then he came to know Jesus. And, and the very first thing that happened for him was he realized many of his friends were not going to be in heaven. They weren't going to be there. They didn't know the Lord. They weren't going to make it. 
And he said, you, you know what, as I began to consider and to, to pray for my friends, the very first thing I did was I wanted to clean up my own life because I wanted my prayers to be effective. I love my friends so very much that it was worth it to me to give up certain things in my life in order that my prayers could be better heard by God. Do you love that much? Do you love your friends so much that you're willing to give up some areas of sin in your life because you want your prayers to be heard? That you're able to say within yourself, wow, you know, I, I know that I've had this, this sin habit, but I don't really feel like it hurts anyone but, but me and and I always kind of wonder why my, my prayers don't seem to work that well, but, you know. And then you never made the connection, right? The effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous person availeth much. If you obey God, He will give to you the Holy Spirit. You see, there, there is that cause and effect. No, once again, right, it doesn't affect our salvation, right? But what does it affect? It affects, you know, do you have the Holy Spirit with you through the week? Or does He just kind of come by the church on Sunday morning? And as you're in the church, you kind of get to see a little bit of the Holy Spirit. As you go out into your world, is He with you every day in your workplace? Is He with you when you're shopping? Is He with you when you're making decisions about what to watch on television or listen to on the radio? Is He with you through the day? That's what it affects, isn't it? And when you go to the Lord and in prayer, do you feel that sense of power? Can you have in your prayer journal specific times when God has answered your prayer? When you say, you know what, I prayed for that person and here was the result. And I pray that this person could be healed and here is the result. I pray that this person could get through a hard time and here is the result. Well, certainly. Right? Yeah, the Bible says, you know, we all have sinned. We all have fallen short. But we should be getting better, shouldn't we? Each and every day we should be drawing closer to God. We should be able to trace the path back in our life and say, wow, you know, back in 1982, I wasn't very close with the Lord. But in 1990, you know, something happened and it was a really special time. And since that time, I've gotten stronger, I've gotten better, I've gotten closer. And on my last day, I want to be so close to Him that it's no big change.
on that day when Jesus calls my name. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen.